Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Catholic Halos podcast. I'm um, Veronica Ambule, editor of the Colorado Catholic Herald, and today I'm joined by uh, Deacon Doug Flynn, who's the general counsel and chief of staff for the Diocese of Colorado Springs, and Deacon Patrick Jones, who is the founder of Catholic Halos. Um, so we thought that since um, next week we have Ash Wednesday on the 17th, it would be a good idea to think about um, how to discern what God might want us to, to um, give up um, or fast from during Lent. And maybe, maybe with a bit of an eye toward um, breaking out of our usual routine and, and maybe uh, trying, trying something that's a little different or maybe even challenging. Well, so, Veronica, um, this, is, this is Deacon Doug. Maybe we could start that discernment with a quick Ave Maria. Oh, yes. Thanks, Deacon Doug. <laughs> Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus et benedictus fructus ventres tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pronobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. So who would like to start getting uh, outside their comfort zone? <laughs> There's a comfort zone? <laughs> well, this is Deacon Patrick, uh, the smart aleck of the bunch. <laughs> um, and one of the main criteria that I have for uh, my whatever the the Lenten journey, discerning what my Lenten journey will be is, does it cultivate eyes of innocence? And Deacon Doug is always hounding me on, <laughs> you have to describe eyes of innocence. That's, <laughs> no, nobody understands what that means. Um, and then yesterday, uh, although without memory, it might've been a month ago. Um, I came across, uh, somebody much smarter than me, uh, God, infinitely smarter, writing, revealing, uh, in dialogue to St. Catherine of Siena, another person smarter than me, what looks to me like eyes of innocence, just under a different name, she describes it as holy discretion. And so, God says to her, the light of holy discretion, that light which dissipates all darkness, takes away ignorance, and is the condiment of every instrument of virtue. Holy discretion is a prudence which cannot be cheated, a fortitude which cannot be beaten, a perseverance from end to end, stretching from heaven to earth, that is, from knowledge of me to knowledge of self and from love of me to love of others. And so that definition of eyes of innocence or holy discretion really struck me because it brings together love of God and love of neighbor. And that's the challenge that we all face. How do we cultivate eyes to see, eyes that see as God sees through the virtues so that we can serve our neighbor, love our neighbor, 
as a means, the only means, the best means we have of loving God. Uh, because even worship is serving our neighbor. And uh, one of the things that comes through in the dialogues is that first among neighbors is ourselves. So um, St. Paul says you can't actually love your neighbor unless you're first in line of how you love, uh, allowing God to love you. So I toss that definition of uh, eyes of innocence to you guys, and, and maybe there's something you have that you would like to unpack about it, and then we can move on to uh, what our own individual journeys are as we're discerning what to do this Lent? Well, this is Deacon Doug. I mean, that definition of eyes of innocence seems to be uh, exactly the opposite of what seems to be... Um, seems to be uh, permeating social media these days. Um, uh, sorry about that. So one of the things I've noticed is that um, no matter what websites you're on, and they can be first things, it can be the most innocuous of, uh, of websites, there's constantly this flashing of distractions at best and temptations at worst uh, on Facebook and some of the other social media sites. So I don't know if anybody else has experienced that or um, struggled with that, but uh, I've noticed in the past a lot of people giving up Facebook for Lent um, as a, maybe as a starting position. Yeah, I, well, I, I would say, Deacon Doug, a lot of my friends... Um, you know, right around Ash Wednesday or right before Ash Wednesday, I'll get little messages from them, you know, saying just a heads up that I, that they're going to be off Facebook for Lent, and um, and and that's not well, not necessarily to single out Facebook per se, but I mean, I I think that you know, on a very basic level, people um, will realize at some point just how much time they can spend uh, on these things. Um, you know, you, you, you hop on Facebook to, you know, quote unquote, check something or whatever. And then, you know, 45 minutes or an hour later, <laughs> um, you realize that, uh, that you've kind of um, maybe wasted a lot of time. So that's, that's not the only reason, <clears throat> but I think um, that's kind of one of the, um, the motivations for trying to, you know, reduce um, social media usage during Lent. And then, yeah, the other thing for sure is just kind of the, um, the distraction factor. I, it's that uh, it, it doesn't necessarily um, promote deep, deep thought, deep prayer, um, any of those things. And we, it, it doesn't, really facilitate even um, probably you could say good work um, because because of the fact that your 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 concentration is uh, reduced and that kind of thing so um, uh, yeah I, I would say uh, that it's you know people have found it helpful um, 
the the uh, and even of course now what's popular is that Exodus 90 program, um, where it's like a complete fast from TV and social media. No, for for sure television. Um, so it seems to be an idea that's gaining a lot of traction. Well, and I think one of the barriers to eyes of innocence that we forget even exists is the constant barrage that Deacon Doug alludes to uh, of the unexpected um, whatever it is that pops up, whether it is that you're watching something and uh, a, a mortal sin is committed <laughs> <laughs> of, of whatever flavor. Uh, and then another one within 30 seconds and, and then five seconds later, a whole nother one. Um, and they're just shown as normal uh, and they don't even realize there's something wrong with them. They're using those sins to fix a problem they created by other sins. Uh, and, or, or whether it's uh, an, an ad for uh, uh, something that, that brings up uh questions of, of, uh, chastity, lust, whatever, because sex sells and advertisers know that. And they throw that out all over the place and they know it on billboards. So when you're driving on, uh, you know, to work, you, you get, you get these distractions everywhere. Um, and that's a whole lot of noise to have to reorient, have a discipline to reorient the mind and the soul every single time you encounter it. Um, it's really challenging to maintain eyes of innocence, even, even if you can get a glimpse of what that's like, uh, in prayer at home before you go to work. Uh, how do you maintain that? And I think Veronica, what you mentioned is, you know, the, the fasting from screens, uh, is, is a powerful tool and given everything going on today, what a, what a great way to, to cut out so much noise. One well, of the, uh, oh, go ahead, Doug. Oh, I just had a quick personal, uh, story because my son, uh, downloaded a free game on one of his, uh, PlayStation or Xbox, uh, consoles. And he was lamenting the fact that he said, when I first saw it, I thought, oh, this is so boring. It's just a painting program, he said. And then I looked up and three hours had passed. And, you know, whether it's a <laughs> video game or whether it's a, uh, uh, you know, uh, looking at a certain um, podcast, it, it is easy to lose track of time. And to, to Veronica's point, it distracts you. And I think so much of what permeates media today, whether it's social media or television or even talk radio, uh, is people can fall into the temptation of using that as an excuse to not think and not pray and frankly, not do anything except what the kid, my kids would say, veg out in front of the TV. Well, we were talking about the, the 24 hour news cycle, the instant communication and how that has eliminated, uh, eliminated quality of thought at a, at a both individual level and as a society, um, 
And, and one of the things one of my daughters pointed out is, well, World War I became a totally different war than previous wars because of the speed of the telegraph. And instead of it taking days, months <laughs> to communicate between nations, it now took seconds. And so man, uh, ultimatums could be given that if you don't do X, Y, or Z in the next two minutes, we're going to do respond this way. There wasn't time to step back and, and let cooler heads prevail. Uh, let, let thoughts occur that might be other ways forward to create, um, other better options than, uh, than war. Um, and how much more so is that happening now when it's 24 hour news and instead of getting the morning paper, reading it and digesting it throughout the day, talking about it with family and friends and coworkers, and then getting the next batch so that we're more formed and we've thought about things along the way, it's just headline to headline to headline, reaction to reaction to reaction. And we're not taking the time to digest. And so how much is it that eyes of innocence means that we take time to digest the information we receive and bring it to God in prayer and sit with it in right relationship, striving for how do we, how do you call us Lord to be in this world and love our neighbor um, in this world here and now so that we can reveal your light of truth? Well, and Deacon Patrick, as you were talking, um, I, I, what actually came to my mind was um, Pope John Paul II's theology of the body. And I think you really hit on something is that um, if we're glued to social media, we're really only seeing like a very one dimensional um, version of any, you know, any particular person. Um, and that, I mean, I think you could make the argument that that's uh, part of the reason that it's become such a kind of a nasty place. And when we turn off the screens and actually look at the people in front of us, we, you know, we're seeing, um, we're, we can better see the a whole person, um, you know, not just a collection of opinions or whatever. Um, and uh, see, uh, probably appreciate people more for all their, you know, kind of complexity and, um, you know, the, the fact that we're also, um, we all, we're all, you know, unique individuals as created by God and in God's image. And, um, honestly, I think one of the things that it would, as you mentioned with the whole concept of war is actually, um, makes it easier to um, exist um, in harmony with those around us, you know, when we're not just kind of um, labeling everybody and um, looking for the next hot argument or you know, whatever it might be. Um, that, you know, 
they're, they're, that's they're such a neocon pro lib position. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, those labels don't go together, do they? I, I don't know how to label very well. Sorry. <laughs> I, I only know how to be the smart aleck I referenced earlier. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's just, um, we, we, uh, like said, I, you know, people, people will say things to each other on Facebook that they never would, you know, if that person were actually standing in front of them. Right. And, um, and so when, if, if we do, uh, I think try to reduce our screen time, I, I, I think it also helps our, 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 our relationships with, you know, family and friends and, and plus, we just have more time, you know, to if if we don't spend an hour a day on Facebook, you know, that's a, an hour a day that maybe we could call someone, you know, that we haven't spoken to in a while or um, uh, talk to, you know, uh, provide a listening ear for a friend, you know, that kind of thing. Well, so we talked about how, you know, what are our own journeys in personally discerning uh, what we're going to do for Lent. And as I was sitting with that, I was reading through Proverbs, and it's amazing how these centuries-old writings, <laughs> millennia-old writings, uh, speak here and now. Because I've been... Um, I, I see all the different headlines, all the different frauds, all the different... Uh, I refer to them as rapids in life um, that try to suck us down and churn us about and spit us out underneath the water, looking far worse than we went in. Um, and, and so seeing all of those and, and wondering, you know, do I need to name all of those? What am I called to do to, to help shepherd? And, and then I read Proverbs nine, seven, and eight. He that teacheth a scorner doth an injury to himself. And he that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. Rebuke not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. <laughs> and then verse 9 says, give, on a, give an occasion to a wise man, and wisdom shall be added to him. Teach a just man, and he shall make haste to receive it. And the clarity that came was, no, you focus on what you're called to create to help bring the light and truth of Christ to the world and help others to do the same thing, such as this podcast, such as uh, other things that are in the works. Um, and increase your calibration for avoiding uh, even cultivating thoughts of the rapids, the frauds, and, and how to respond to them, because it's not your job to respond to them. Uh, truth takes care of, uh, truth is its own refutation of fraud. Well, and and it, it seems like... Um we can't get to the truth unless we take some time to sit in silence um, and 
I mean, I, you know, the whole idea of discernment, um, that at least in my experience, we don't have that if we don't have, you know, a regular prayer life, um, where it's, it's not just, it, it's not only a question of, you know, attending mass, although obviously that's extremely important, but, um, time that we set aside to, um, just, um, be silent and, and, and receptive, you know, to what God's trying to tell us. Um, and I, I, you know, and to, to that, and even, you know, even if we feel like we're, um, spending a lot of time on Catholic websites, uh, you know, Catholic media of one sort or another, I, I don't know that, 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 for lack of a better word, absolves of, absolves us of our responsibility to, you know, set a time, set, set aside time to, to just be, um, with God, uh, alone and, um, try to let him, um, speak to us in that way, you know, um, because I think even, uh, th that, even, even among, um, you know, relatively reputable, um, media outlets, it's, it still can take, it, it's still, um, not always easy to sort out, um, what's really going on, I think. And, and also just what, what God's will for us might be in regards to some particular thing, you know? Um, and so for, I, I definitely for, for a Lenten resolution to set aside more time for, for prayer, um, seems, seems like a, a can't lose, uh, proposition. Well, to that fact, I have a stack of books that mocks me, uh, for being distracted by Candy Crush Saga and, uh, other games on my phone that are begging to be read this Lent, um, but one of them that I just pulled off the shelf uh, is On the Passion of Christ by Thomas Akempis. Um, he is a 14th century writer who's probably most famous for the imitation of Christ. But, but this one looked like a nice, it's about 150 pages, and it just walks through the Stations of the Cross. And uh, hopefully for me will be inspiration to, you know, many of the chapters are just a page or two uh, of reflection based on the scripture and then use that to, to further deepen uh, the Lenten journey for myself and my family. Well, and those yeah. are two excellent points of, it's one thing to give up something for Lent, <clears throat> but I'll be quoting like a saint here, uh, somewhere in scripture, it speaks of <laughs> uh, the, the demon who's cast out which then leaves an emptiness, an empty room in the soul for seven demons to come in. So it's not just that we should give something up. It matters what we put in its place. And I, obviously, I think a lot of parishes um, offer uh, opportunities for folks to experience the Stations of the Cross in, in many different ways. Uh, a lot of times on Fridays in Lent, 
um, but there's also more opportunities for adoration, for confession, uh, participating uh, and integrating more fully the, the parish life and the, and the speed of, uh, of parish time, uh, I think can be very helpful for folks, just spending more time in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Yeah, fortunately, it looks like, um, you know, um, without jumping the gun, that um, maybe uh, as Lent goes on, um, some of our churches might be able to um, have more people at one time um, as as maybe the capacity restrictions ease a little bit. And um, there, as you mentioned, um, Deacon Doug, there might be uh, more opportunities for Eucharistic adoration um, and more opportunities to attend the, uh, you know, the Stations of the Cross. I, I mean, um, it's, it's it was interesting because we were, um, my co a, a co-worker and I were reflecting that a year ago as we were getting ready to, um, where as we had um, been compiling all the parish activities and schedules for Lent, you know, we started out um, with two full pages and then, um, uh, you know, I think two weeks later or something, um, you know, the shutdown order happened and basically every, all these schedules that we had carefully compiled, um, everything was canceled. So I, I'm, you know, cautiously optimistic that this year it'll be a little bit of the reverse, you know, where um, hopefully as, um, as Lent goes on, uh, the restrictions will, will be eased little by little. And, um, um, you know, people can fully um, participate in these Lenten devotions. And, and it, I mean, at least the way it looks now, anyway, we'll be in church for, for Easter, which in and of itself is, is a wonderful blessing. <laughs> um, it's a very different picture than, than Easter a year ago. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, it sure, it sure is. And, uh, you know, um, it, we've, we've, we've come so far since then, but uh, I, I um, it, just on a personal level, last Sunday, we were, my daughter, it was just my daughter and I, my seventh grader and I in church. And um, I have to say that I, I was um, never quite sure how, how closely she was paying attention at mass. But um, during the, after the uh, gospel, when they, I, I believe it was after the gospel, when they did the dismissal of the catechumens, all of a sudden she, you know, excitedly turned to me and she said, are those converts? And I thought, <laughs> wow, okay, I, I guess she's taking in more than maybe I originally thought. But, uh, you know, just the, last year, the, the um, the catechumens had the disappointment of not being able to be re uh, received into the church uh, it on schedule at Easter time. And now it looks like that's going to happen. So um, that in and of itself, I think is reason to be very, very grateful. <laughs> Beautiful. And, and as you were talking, Veronica, it struck me too that <clears throat> As as families are having more time, whatever they're giving up together at home, uh, 
ensure that you're having meals together one a day at least if not all of them depending on your situation uh read aloud uh whatever stories make sense um one of the things we read uh, regularly is the lord of the rings and lent is an amazing time to uh, find yourself wandering through mordor um and uh and one of the ones we're reading now i can't remember the the title but it's something ravenhurst uh is uh scotland the scottish clans against the um the protestant uh, oppression and uh and and what that looked like and priest uh heidi holes and uh it just seems oddly comforting to see how you know the events that are happening today are not anything new to the church she knows how to navigate them and if we grow our roots deep and we know what we know as a church um and we we cling to the truth of christ uh it becomes clear what is our path forward and and what does that look like Yeah, I, I mean, I think, um, you know, we, we've one one uh, one trend I've seen is the last few years is um, these articles uh, that you'll see on various blogs and, you know, online magazines. And the, the, the title has been um, Don't Give Up Chocolate for Lent. And I have to say that at first that really uh, hit me in the gut because... That was always my go-to. Um, uh, what I, do you I'm, mean? I'm a, verif- a bona fide chocolateaholic, as anybody who knows me can tell you. And 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 I I thought, oh my gosh, you know how this is. These, I felt almost um, targeted or something. Um, <laughs> but I have to say, once I um, got over my initial resistance and actually read through. Um, what these authors were saying, um, I, I, I grudgingly admitted that they were probably right in that it's, yes, it's, it's, it's one, one aspect of Lent is, is giving up sweets. If, um, if that's, uh, something that you're drawn to, but, um, as you mentioned, Deacon Patrick, it's really, but what, what am I putting what am I putting my gaze on? What am I focusing on once I give out, or once I, um, you know, um, give up that chocolate? And um, that's where the, you know, meditating on Christ's passion and death and some of the beautiful Lenten traditions that the church has, I think, you know, really come in. It's not just a question. I, I, I have to say for many years, I, I think I just thought Lent was about self-discipline. And that's an aspect of it, but maybe you could even say probably the least important aspect of it. It's, it's self-discipline for something greater. And it, I think it took me a long time to, to learn that, you know, and, and so, um, so now that we've had this discussion, I, um, it's definitely making me think more about how I can, um, maybe in, improve my spiritual reading, you know, pick up a book that, um, is going to help me 
go deeper into, um, you know, the life of Christ and, you know, particularly his, his passion and death, I think. Well, Veronica, I have a funny story to share. It is, uh, it was told to me and a group of people in a talk by a, a relatively famous Catholic author. And we'll just, we'll just say he's famous enough that he was invited to have lunch with the Pope at one point, uh, wow. sitting around the table with Pope Benedict and they're pouring the wine and, and the author said to the Pope, you know, your holiness, this may surprise you, but in the United States, many people uh, will give up wine for Lent. And he said, the Pope looked at him and cocked his head and said, well, what do they drink then? <laughs> so, yeah, it's not all about giving stuff up. <laughs> what you replace Eyes of innocence. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, Deacon Patrick, will you lead us in a closing Ave Maria? Ave Maria, gratia plena. Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora penobis peccatoribus, nunc en enora mortis nostrae. Amen. Well, thanks everyone for being with us for this episode of the Catholic Halos podcast, and we hope you have a blessed week. <laughs>